This is the Blaze Radio On Demand. When our water heater broke down last month, it was a nightmare. It took five hours for the plumber to show up, and he charged us a couple of hundred bucks just to come out. Then it cost another $1,800 to put in the new water heater. By the time it was all said and done, I felt like I'd been taken. But what else could I do? The smartest thing you can do is get a home warranty from American Residential Warranty. Their home warranties pay to repair or replace all your major appliances when they break. And they will break. And at the worst possible time, call American Residential Warranty right now for free information on home warranties starting at just pennies a day. Don't wait for your refrigerator to stop running or your ceiling fans to stop turning. Call American Residential Warranty right now. Ask how you can save up to 50% on water. And dryer coverage. Just call 1 800 686 3910. That's 1 800 686 3910. Again, 1 800 686 3910. Call now. Guru Jay, wish to announce. Oh, oh, for, forgive me. I, I'm not accustomed to public speaking. Uh, hello. Uh, many hellos. Thank me. I, I Guru Jay wish to announce opening of lottery number and Super Bowl picks eight hundred number tomorrow. Holy cows! Holy cows! Excelsior! Holy cow, indeed. Welcome back, partners, my friends, my radio family. There is so much to talk about. Yesterday, I think we appropriately opened our show by noting that it was without any ability to warranty what kind of night it would be, that it was certainly a great day, by definition, a great day, for Americans, the beginning of this sacred, uh, flawed, but sacred system, the most imperfect in all the world, except for all others, right? A great day for America. Well, last night turned out to be a great night for some of us, and certainly for Guru Jay, and today is a great day for Guru Jay. One America's finest hour yesterday and Guru Jay's finest hour, or one of them, uh, last night. Uh, the last 13 polls of any note prior to the caucus last night, the most recent 13 polls had in common that they all had Donald Trump leading by a few to several points. Despite that, your loyal correspondent, I don't know if you know this, I did want to make sure I mentioned two things when we opened the show today. One is that I was the founder of my uh, grade school 
civics club. Uh, I did that when I was in the sixth grade, uh, and newspaper. And I'm not sure if I had ever mentioned that before. Uh, Skip, do you recall my having mentioned that? Okay. All right. Well, I'm glad I mentioned it now then. And the second thing I wanted to mention, uh, because you may not have heard this either, is that I'm still waiting to learn of the second person in America who nailed all of the results last night. And by the way, I I know there are many, and so I don't want you to think, please, for a second, don't think I take myself too seriously, though also don't think I don't take myself seriously. Uh, you know, I, I don't I don't know and I don't know other people in public. I don't know of anyone on any network, uh, any web website, t- Twitter, any anywhere that most of them chose not to choose, which I think is bogus, by the way. But most of them chose not to choose, not to predict. Well, I always choose to predict. And uh, last night, as perhaps, perhaps you've heard. Uh, at about 7.30 Eastern time, I submitted my, uh, reconfirmed what had been my earlier uh, picks, and I said, uh, Cruz, Trump, Rubio, and as a bonus pick, Carson. Now, yesterday, Guru Jay tell you what was going to happen. Today, Guru Jay tell you why. Actually, I I said why yesterday. I said why in that tweet. And it all comes down to that. The reason I am being sinfully boastful like this is I want you to make sure you know you're in the right place here on the Blaze Radio Network and with me, Jay Severin. one 888 Open for beeswax. one 888 900-3393, hoping to hear from you. I just want you to know you're in the right place. Those weren't guesses. Those were estimates based on 30 years of experience in national politics. And though they may seem easier in retrospect, the Cruz-Trump pick went against virtually all conventional wisdom. As I say, the last 13 polls including the Des Moines Register endorsement poll on Sunday night, said everybody said that Trump was going to win. He was ahead in the polls. And in my final tweet last night, I said, Cruz is number one because of his ground game. And Trump is number two exactly for the same reason, because of his ground game. He ain't got any. Now, I waited. The reason I waited to post my final selections is I wanted to finish the show yesterday and have the option of talking to some people I know in the business that could give me their thoughts as to what they were hearing about the Trump ground game. And I thought you might find this interesting. We touched on it yesterday uh, and last night, if you were with Skip and Doc and myself last night, uh, and it's this. There was no evidence of a Trump ground game. And toward the end of the Iowa campaign, when the TV people were trying to get a stock video shot 
of the you know busy beehive of activity of the Trump get out the vote headquarters, no one could tell them where where one was. The Cruz campaign had more than a thousand of them. More than a thousand in Iowa. The Cruz campaign had a person organizing, supervising other volunteers in virtually every voting precinct, every single place in the state of Iowa that uh, that held an event. And when they asked to see one of Trump's, nobody in the campaign could return the call, or when they did, they said, oh, we can't let you see that, it's secret, or we're too busy. And so, in answer to the logical question, Jay, why, hey, Essie, are you dreaming, honey? Come on, honey, don't dream, don't yip, only only we speak here. Um, so, the answer to the, the suitable question is, okay, Jay, why would anybody, if Trump was leading in all of the polls had a comfortable lead in all of the polls in the last 10 days of the campaign. What would cause anyone to ignore that and pick the guy in second place? And this really does come back to a place for a reason. I mean it when I say I want you to know you're in the right place. I boast sometimes kiddingly, sometimes not about my experience in politics, but I want you to know you're getting the best insight. That doesn't mean I'm always right. Uh, But I want you to know it's based on something. Even when I'm wrong, it's based on something. I I, I would like to tell you one of those times, I just, memory just doesn't serve. They're far too infrequent to have any institutional memory uh, of being wrong, that is. But even when I'm wrong, I'm wrong with a reason. So last night, the reason I gave you Crump no, sorry, Trump. Isn't that funny? Uh, Cruz Trump, instead of the way everyone else had it, was because my experience in the Iowa caucuses and in national uh, politics is that if if there's some suspicion that in a caucus state you don't have a ground game, you don't have a game. And so my instincts told me that Trump's uh, the Trump's turnout machinery was limited to Trump. He was hoping his asking the audiences, you know, to turn out would be tantamount to a get out the vote operation. And anyone with experience, far less experience you know, than half these nitwits you see on television who are called, uh, you know, campaign strategists, anybody who's been through one election for dog catcher could tell you that, you know, in a caucus state in Iowa, the candidates asking you to show up is not tantamount to a get out the vote operation. You have to ID your voters. You have to call them up, know them by their first name. You call them every day in the last 10 days. You call them in the morning. You bring them breakfast. You drive, you literally, that's the volunteers are for. You drive them in your own car, your private car. You drive them to the caucus. You, you, this is this is what a get out the vote operation is. GOTV, it's called. Well, Donald Trump's version of GOTV is get on television. Now that's very effective, but it ain't the same 
thing. The Jay Severin Show. Only on the Blaze Radio Network. When our water heater broke down last month, it was a nightmare. It took five hours for the plumber to show up, and he charged us a couple of hundred bucks just to come out. Then it cost another $1,800 to put in the new water heater. By the time it was all said and done, I felt like I'd been taken. But what else could I do? The smartest thing you can do is get a home warranty from American Residential Warranty. Their home warranties pay to repair or replace all your major appliances when they break. And they will break. And at the worst possible time, call American Residential Warranty right now for free information on home warranties starting at just pennies a day. Don't wait for your refrigerator to stop running or your ceiling fans to stop turning. Call American Residential Warranty right now. Ask how you can save up to 50% on washing and dryer coverage. Just call 1-800-686-3910. That's 1-800-686-3910. Again, 1-800-686-3910. Call now. It's the Jay Severin Show on the Blaze Radio Network. On the Blaze Radio Network, one 888 Craig from the Commonwealth. Jay, pleasure to speak with you again, my friend, especially after such an incredible prediction. My pleasure. I, uh, I wanted to say to you that, you know, a thought entered my head when I heard your prediction last night, and... Um, it, it came true, and that is so many people in last night's election got enough votes to make in their mind to say, well, we should really keep going with this. Um, I was hoping it might be a Trump cruise runaway, maybe with a Rubio in a distant third, but I think, you know, when Carson, even though he came in fourth, you know, I... I still think he got enough votes that in his mind he's going to say, we should keep going with this. And and I think that's a mistake. I wonder. Uh, I mean, let me say, the, as to the first element of, of your uh, astute question slash answer here, is that not only did the finishers finish the way we said they would, the stories followed exactly the way we said they would. Because we've been talking about this uh, alone, I think, for the last couple of weeks, and that is that there was going to be at least one big, maybe two stories other than who came in first, depending on who it was and where and how they finished. So Rubio's was a big story, uh, as we predicted, and as it turns out, he was a big story not just because he came in third, but because he came in third and virtually second. And we talked about this yesterday, hours before the caucuses start, that if Rubio comes in third, it's a big deal for him, and that'll be great. Uh, But if he comes close or if, you know, if by God he comes in second, that would be like, you know, the, you know, political earthquake, one of the political earthquakes of all time. So the fact that he came in, Craig, within a point of Trump, within within a point of second, and that that second place person had happened to be Trump 
both are accelerants, right? Both throw gasoline on that story, on that on that fire. So the media stories followed too. The one that 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 hit but didn't blaze, you should pardon the expression, was Carson for Carson's fault. He squandered his opportunity. We talked about this last night with Doc and Skip. If anybody else had come in fourth, I don't care if it was Jim Gilmore. I don't care if it was the Gilmore girls. If if someone had come in fourth and had any political instincts or advisors they were paying good money to, they would have hustled that person down onto the stage and started claiming victory. I mean, not not we won, as in, you know, victory as in first place, but victory as in relative victory. Because, you know, we got fourth for us. That's like getting first. You know, everyone has their own rationale that they spin. And the fact that Dr. Carson decided to treat it, well, frankly, he treated it so humbly that that reinforces everything good that we think about him. But I must say, as a professional politician meaning me, not him, I mean, that it's a, it's a bad mistake. Today's stories should include, you know, should be Cruz takes tight race in Iowa, Trump second, Rubio with uh, impressive, you know, one point difference, third place finish. And then there ought to be room for one more subhead in that story, virtually or literally. And that is, Dr. Carson, surprise fourth place finish. You know, uh, and he could be out there saying it's oh, it's resuscitated our campaign. We're off. We're off to New Hampshire where we can be expected to do much better. And Craig, he didn't say any of he didn't do or say any of those things. And I and again, I'm just saying this as an analyst, not a partisan. I I mean, I like Dr. Carson. I think he squandered what is kind of a campaign 101 opportunity it also seems to me that it makes it a lot more difficult for the voters to determine who could really beat hillary clinton because you've still got this this large block of voters that when people call for polling and say oh how do you feel about uh trump versus clinton or cruz versus clinton in the back of their mind they're thinking well i'm really for carson or i'm really for somebody else and it makes it throws off the polls, and to have four, five, six, seven people that are still, at least they believe, are viably running, it makes it difficult for me as a voter to say, who should I vote for? Because I can't really tell who will do the best against Clinton because our vote is Right, so although per, per our conversation here exactly 24 hours ago, I hope that a lot of us will take that lesson. I said yesterday, we'll never again think of polls the same way. They are interesting. They are useful. There, the many days I get on my knees, I'm so thankful for them because they help give. <clears throat> they're a great mechanism, a great device to give some perspective to this, as you just described. Uh, and they're just, in the end, <clears throat> entertaining devices to have. But as we see from yesterday, they are all those things, but they ain't a deity. They are not, they're not even a pope. You know, they are not infallible. And, and yesterday's polls once again demonstrate that. I, since a lot of people know that I'm for Ted Cruz, let me quickly say, 
again, nothing I talk about today, however uh, boastful I am about my own uh, uh, prognostication, it has nothing to do with the fact that I'm for Ted Cruz. I predicted that the way I thought it would come out. And if you look back in my tweets, I predicted Trump Cruz about 36 hours ago and said, now, you know, I reserve the right to change my mind as I am able to get deeply into this in the last few hours of this before the caucuses open. So I once thought that Trump's poll numbers might make the difference. I would also note something else. And Craig, thank you so much for the call. I've, I've, I've got a jet here in a second. But everybody, note to Bene, two things. Note two things. One, Iowa has just again elected, just again elected the most conservative candidate, right? They elected Huckabee. They elected Santorum. And those guys went on to do what? Especially because I'm for Ted Cruz, I have the obligation to remind us of that. Iowa has just passed on to Ted Cruz the curse of Iowa. Iowa has not gotten it right in 40, not 20. I apologized last night for this. I learned the real number is 40 years they haven't picked a winner. So I'm really glad that Ted Cruz won, and I don't believe in curses. But I just thought I'd kind of point out, you know, you know. Jay Severin, the Blaze Radio Network. With you, my radio family on the Blaze Radio Network, one 888 I'd like to go over some notes from last night that reminds us of what, that remind us of what some of the things that were happening, but not for nostalgia's sake, to remind us that everything has, everything has now changed. Six days until New Hampshire. New Hampshire is a completely different state. Here's one of the reminders by way of example, and then Maya's on the phone. We're going to go to her, but let me give you and let me offer you this example. <clears throat> I see from last night that about 9:30 Eastern time, we found out for the first time that the evangelical vote was splitting uh, among several candidates, and the Trump was getting almost as much of the evangelical vote. As Cruz. And at that time of night, that news was very bad news for Ted Cruz. In fact, that news at that time of night suggested to me that I may have erred in my pick because I didn't see how I didn't see how Ted Cruz could survive splitting virtually 50-50, the evangelical vote, uh, and then sharing more of it with with others, with Carson, Huckabee, Santorum. 
Uh, His game plan was to own the evangelical vote, and if he was anything like splitting it, I had my real severe moments of doubt there for a while. But we now go from a state which is the most evangelical in the nation to the least evangelical in the nation. In fact, New Hampshire is self-identifies, the people of New Hampshire self-identify as less religious than the citizens of any other state but the home of Boyne Sanders, the bastard, uh, Vermont. So we're going from a state which is all evangelical all the time to no evangelical none of the time. Everything has changed for all of the candidates. And permit me to say one other thing. You know what the biggest change is? For all of the other things we'll talk about today and this week, about what happened last night and what it means, until something happens that changes the following fact, none of those other things matter terribly. Here's the following fact. Right now the polls... Sorry, but the polls in New Hampshire consistently have Trump more than 25 points ahead. In fact, the most reliable poll in New Hampshire has Trump 25 points ahead of Ted Cruz, who's in second. How do you make up a 25-point deficit in six days? We're, I don't know that it can. If it can, we're about to watch, look, listen, converse every day between now and then on how and whether that can be done. You wanted history? You got history. My dear friend Maya from Kansas, welcome back. Hey, darling. It was a doing? wonderful night yesterday. Oh, fine. It, yesterday was my birthday, my boy's day. Oh, happy uh, birthday. Thank you very much. Well, I'm glad much. you enjoyed it. You found it uh, entertaining, edifying, democratizing. Uh, yeah, and then my husband came home. Put on bump. So, Bada bing. Yeah, bada bing. Yeah, no, it, we, we had a great time. Look, I, I just wanted to point out something, and I guess you already know. Ben Carson is now... Um, Upset, depressed, angry, because he says that uh, the cruise people sabotaged. And and that's really unfortunate that he went there, because it shows that he CNN who? and NBA, uh, uh, that Ben Carson is even saying this, uh, because it shows for that you. on CNN, I agree. Yeah. Uh, they all show that he did this. That, uh, that yeah, May I tell the story? May I tell the, may I give the facts of the case very quickly? And sure, then you go please, back sir. to your analysis? Mm-hmm. Last night, about an hour into the caucuses, cruise people at a lot of precincts, I don't know how many, were approaching Carson voters and handing out uh, Instagrams, Insta flyers, mm-hmm. doing it orally, just, you know, every way they could spread the word. The word went out on their, you know, they all got texts, the cruise people, saying, headquarters has just watched CNN broadcast the story that Dr. Carson has announced he's leaving for Florida tonight. Mm -hmm. He's going back home to Florida. 
when CNN broadcast that, and and assuming they did, I didn't see it, so assuming they broadcast some form of that, but no one, CNN says they never said he was quitting, that, that they only, that they, they're willing to admit to having broadcast that Dr. Cruz was heading home to Florida, which... Almost everyone in the business, media and politics, assumed that meant mm-hmm. that maybe he was you know, getting ready to pull out. But apparently, CNN never said quitting. All right, so the Cruz people acting on their impression that, that Dr. Carson was quitting the race rushed to tell the Carson people, hey, look, you're wasting your vote. You should vote for us because your guy is quitting. Mm-hmm. Now, Dr. Carson said, and I heard him say, if Ted Cruz doesn't know this, or if he knows this, he should be firing some people in a big hurry, you know. And if he doesn't, uh, I mean, if he does know this firing, maybe he doesn't know it. Shame on him. Uh, this is dirty tricks and all the stuff we're trying to get away from. Uh, I you agree with you that that's the facts of the case. And my only line right. of analysis, I'll reiterate, goes along with you. Uh, this is part of the game. Um, Hello, it's this is fair game. Thank you. If I had been part of the any campaign and I saw what I believed to be an indicator on television that my opponent, that one of my opponents, I don't care who, was, you know, held an announcement to say, I'm headed directly home tonight after the caucuses. And 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 I was not in the top three. I I would have done the same thing. That's not a dirty trick. That's politics. that's politics. And the fact of the matter is, and, and you brought it up, I wasn't planning on calling, but you had said something that's really important. Number one, there's been more whining since Donald Trump came onto the scene. And what's happened is, is that I think the politicians, including Cruz, have confused whining with strategic complaining in order to get Good something done. That's why Ted thinking. Cruz yeah. blew it the last de- debate. You want to hear an interesting wine? Mm-hmm. It's a 78 cab. I can give uh, you the exact uh, list. No, uh, no. Uh, I'm more of a Merlot uh, myself, person myself. Uh, <laughs> listen, but, listen to this. You know, still, I mean, I, I know you got No, no, no. no uh, Siri, I, do, I do have one. I do have one. I just oh. wanted to throw out a lame joke first. Okay. Uh, Maya, th- <laughs> listen to this. According to one prominent national report, mm-hmm. Trump was off of Twitter for about, I don't know, half a day, 15 hours or something, after mm-hmm. last night's uh, results were pretty much finalized. And that's unprecedented in, since he started tweeting. So uh, that's not the fact. It's just That's just the background. When mm-hmm. he went back on, apparently the first or second tweet that he posted was, and I paraphrase, Media and public not giving me any credit for self-financing campaign. Not worth it, exclamation point. (laughs) I just think that's interesting. I don't know if it's indicative. I just think it's interesting. I I think that the the level of neurosis that's going on throughout this whole, whole affair <laughs> is something that's going to be in in psych classes for the next twenty years. Um, well, it's it's twerking. It's Jay's it's totally twerking, twerking theory. <laughs> it's would Ronald Reagan have whined about? You know, would FDR have whined about something? 
you know, in the campaign. Let's go further back. Let's do the de- Democrats. The Ke- Kennedys were rich. Okay, I mean, they, as far as I, from what I'm understanding, I mean, John had refused to be paid uh, during his presidency because they already had money. They already had funds, but they were operating on a different um, frequency. Okay, right, um, a different it, cultural, whole different culture. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And now we've got this. I don't fault Donald for anything that he does, whether he fails or succeeds anymore, because like I said before, everything we are seeing in public has been done behind doors. Nothing is new here. And that's what Ben Carson needs to recognize. What he has done has he has sabotaged himself now because anyone else would have said that's politics and moves forward. And he'd have people yeah. around him to tell him that. And and as I said earlier, my he'd have people to kick him in the ass and say, get down on that stage, get down in that ballroom and start claiming credit for this wonderful fourth place finish, which is a victory for even or being whatever in other Iowa. spin they had. Well, for even just being able to go into Iowa without, you know, I, I mean, look, here's here's the here's the bottom line. And this is what I wanted to say. Ben Carson has been running this race with a level of humility and decency that is not befitting a political campaign. I appreciate his heart. I appreciate his intent. But at some point, you have to decide whether you are going to run and be a politician or are you going to sit back and go for sainthood? No, there it is. That's beautiful. That I, I mean, I really, can I offer you a higher compliment than if I just said that? I would I would have said exactly the same. I would have uttered the same words. That's exactly right. You're playing politics now. And it may not be to your level of comfort or taste or sensibilities, but that's up to you. If you are going to choose to play this game, whether it's Monopoly well, actually, Trump plays Monopoly, only it's with real buildings and money, though. If you're going to play a board game with your family or you're going to play politics, you it's assumed you're going to play by the rules of the – unless you're Trump. You're going to play by the rules of the game. And he has to, as you say, Dr. Carson, tremendously decent man, he is, must decide, am I willing to lower myself – uh, in my view, uh, to the level necessary to win at this game, to be to succeed at it, or will I climb atop a marble pedestal, turn my nose up at the degradations of politics, and lose by 50 points but still have my self-respect intact? I'm afraid, Maya, it's one or the other, as you know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And what's where Willie makes it weird is that right before you, and this is the best part about it, people, right before you, every Republican candidate that was in Iowa, that could be the administration next year. That's but right. people have got to grow up. They have got to knock this off. Donald is doing my, great. It's a great point, and you a, forgive me, dear. I have to go. Know, Happy my. birthday belated again. Call soon. I rely on you. We will be right back. Jay Severin, the Blaze Radio Network.
Jay Severin Show. Only on the Blaze Radio Network. one 888 Again, some breaking moments from last night that were turning points that we may or may not have recognized at the moment they happened. Uh, about two hours in, Marvin O'Kelly, that's his name, right? The third guy on the Democrat side. We'll talk more about the Democrats on the uh, in the uh, next hour here. <clears throat> Marvin O'Kelly suspended his campaign uh, before the night was over. And I have this question. How did he ever think, or did he, that he was going to survive the 15% rule of the Democrats. And before I quickly explain that, let me say, I always thought it was, we all joked about Marvin O'Kelly and, you know, the poor bastard, you know, he ran, he ran, he never killed anybody. And so it's just, it's too bad. I feel a little badly now for having used him as a uh, object of mockery, but, you know, just like the, the late night comics, you know, your guys got 1% of the vote it's going to happen. <clears throat> Goes with the territory. It's not an excuse, uh, but however, suppose he did it knowing he couldn't possibly do anything with it, and he was just like bollocksing things up. And that's why the Democrats have something the Republicans don't at their caucus: fifteen percent rule. When they all split up in groups and say, "Who are you for?" If you're in a group that has less than fifteen percent of the voters at that at that precinct, they dissolve you. They dissolve you. They say, you're not a viable group. So we're going to dissolve you, and you go into one of the other groups. It's up to you, into which other group, or you can leave right now if you want. You don't have to vote. But if you don't get 15%, you get dispersed. You get dissolved. How did Marvin O'Kelly ever believe that he was not going to get his groups dissolved at virtually every precinct in Iowa last night. I think that's a question that somebody might tackle at some point. Right back on The Blaze. The Jay Severin Show, only on The Blaze Radio Network. Oh, many hellos. Holy cow. Guru Jay, in reaction to his uh, stunning predictions of politic last night, opens up his new 900 Super Bowl pick and lottery number pick line tomorrow. Information to follow. Holy cow. Uh, Excelsior. Welcome back again, my dear friends and partners. We've been on the air more together in the last 24 hours than we've been off. I like it like that. The Blaze Radio Network presents You and Me, the Jaily News. 
one 3393 Partners on the phone, getting to them in a moment. I do first wish to offer you a monologue uh, after a fashion, which is brief, humble, and genius. Okay, ready? Dorothy, we're not in Kansas anymore. Maya can still be in Kansas, but Dorothy can't, and neither can you. We're not in Kansas anymore. Uh, Forgive me, we're not in Iowa anymore. We're not in Iowa anymore. Okay, you're going to wake up and you're going to remember nothing about Iowa. Here's why. It's a whole new ball game. Who's ahead right now in the Republican race? Wrong. Ted Cruz is not ahead. Ted Cruz won Iowa, and that helps him. The dispersal and assignment of delegates, because in the end, this is about delegates. I mean, the way you get delegates, obviously, is to win primaries, caucuses, primaries. But Trump ended up with as many delegates as Cruz. And Rubio, I think, maybe two, maybe one less, one fewer. Now, right now, that doesn't matter. But what does matter is your recognition that yesterday is gone. Gone. Who's ahead right now? Here's where it's at. If you want to win the nomination in the Republican Party, there is an opening triumvirate of primaries. Iowa, New Hampshire, and South Carolina. Three more different places, culturally, demographically, politically, you could not find if I allowed you four different planets on which to locate them. This is fascinating, and it is good, and I think healthy for democracy, but Iowa ain't New Hampshire. South Carolina ain't New Hampshire. New Hampshire is one-third the size of Iowa and casts three times as many votes. Let me say that again. New Hampshire is one-third the size of Iowa and yields three times as many votes. Iowa has more evangelicals self-identified than any state in the nation. And New Hampshire self-identifies as the least religious state in America other than uh, Vermont. We are talking about the difference between not Iowa and New Hampshire here. We're talking about the difference between Iowa and the dark side of the moon. This entire thing is new, changed, open. Forget last night. Ted Cruz won the Iowa primary. And that's put that in the history books. But it's always out of the gate, a two out of three. Iowa, New Hampshire, South Carolina. They all happen within three weeks. 
And so Ted Cruz won Iowa. And now, look, the first time, if you haven't looked today, next time you look at a television screen or a computer screen, look at where the people stand right now for New Hampshire. Donald Trump is up by 28 points. He's in first place by 28 points. There's a virtual three- or four-way tie, including Cruz, for second place. Second place right now could, within the margin of error, be awarded to Cruz, Rubio, Kasich, or Bush. That's how much different Iowa is than New Hampshire. And you better be looking like you're going to win two out of the three. Or have a good reason why. You better have a note from your parents if you don't take two out of three. And right now, all I'm trying to say is, whether you're for Ted Cruz, as am I, or you're not, the impression that somehow this, uh, that last night decided anything, please chase that notion from your mind. Because we're six days away from New Hampshire, which is the dark side of the moon. No offense to my good friends, and I've got them, in New Hampshire. It just isn't even the same planet as Iowa. And then, a few days later, South Carolina is more different than New Hampshire than New Hampshire is from Iowa. And everything there will change. But right now, you'd almost have to say that Unless all of the polls are wrong, of course, the last 13 in Iowa were, I know, I picked against them and won, but unless all of the polls in New Hampshire are wrong, Donald Trump has what you would call an insurmountable lead in that state. I mean, I know you get a bounce out of winning Iowa, but... That wouldn't be a bounce. That would be like being on the moon, you know, with zero gravity and a pogo stick and a jetpack. That's the kind of bounce you'd have to get to 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 go 28 points up to reach Donald Trump. So I'm just saying, your perspective ought to be Iowa. It was great. It was great. It was fantastic. I loved you. In the words of Leonard Skinner, uh, this, uh, what do they say? Uh, I'll be back again next year. I want to see you again. Let's get together again next year when I'm, you know, when I come through town again, it was great, Iowa, but now the universe is limited to the planet Neptune, also known as New Hampshire. And then very quickly that is jerked from beneath us. And what's left is the planet Saturn. And that's the way it goes, and that's how quickly it moves, and that's how little, so much, that meant so much just hours ago can, as of now, mean almost nothing. This is Jay Severin on the Blaze Radio Network. This is Jay Severin.
on the Blaze Radio Network. And these are my partners. Susan from Rhode Island, thank you for your gracious patience. And thank you for taking my call. My mentor, my political scholar, my political gentleman. I'm sorry, uh, he's not your... in today, Susan, but he oh, left me yes, a message he is. that I he's, should be he's in every polite day. to anyone who calls. <laughs> uh, this is your loyal coma survivor, Susan, from Rhode Island. I was oh, calling, naturally I'm thrilled that Ted Cruz won. He is my guy. Oh, good, I'm glad to hear it. Um, he's been my guy long before he even knew he was going to run for president. <laughs> well, um, you know, that's, that's true for many of us because not because his name is Ted Cruz. It's because there were a handful of people uh, like Mike Lee, you know, Ted yeah. Cruz, who are the true constitutionalists in government. And you can really count them on your fingers. Thank you. And Thank yeah. you. I'm calling because I was not surprised by the evangelical split at all. I have been reading for some time, for a few years now, that there's a split with, within the evangelical community between the old guard, like Pastor Hagee, and the new God. And it seems the new guard has started to embrace this governmental, social justice, let's get things done type of doctrine. Absolutely and right. that just Very trickles down point. to their parishioners. That's and what right. surprises exactly me is... The founders were clear why they wrote the Constitution the way they did. So the government wouldn't get things done. It was to stop them from doing things. And this is all you hear. we got to get things done. And that's what I loved about Ted's speech last night. It was about the people getting it done. He stands for that. And but you've nice... got to split in the evangelical community. So that means yeah, no, South Carolina is not going to be easy for Ted. And it's not there. limited. It would be damaging enough, Susan, were it limited only to uh, doctrinal-like positions, like, you know, it's our job to feed the poor. We right. can't individually feed the poor. Therefore, the federal government must feed the poor. And we need to raise taxes and grow government so we can feed the poor, because that's what Jesus would do, uh, which yeah. I think is your insinuation and, and, and characterization of that of that sort of new Oh, but they're also guard. starting to embrace things like, well, we can live with gay marriage. No, no, exactly. And just, uh, they, they're, they're even going into Pickwick the social say, side. Dear woman, you have anticipated me. Because uh, <laughs> I, 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 I was just about to say, there are a number of other parts of the social constellation that they are starting to embrace. And some of them are very quiet and the example i would give was remember when donald trump did his you know, two corinthians you know walk on yeah. to a, a chariot lot and they, you know yep. uh, okay that audience was comprised of almost all i mean the organization the people who put on the event the people who run the college the Living faculty, university. the administration, the founders, all mm -hmm. of everyone who are evangelicals and over 50, they were the ones who noticed the uh, two Corinthians. That's what you right. like, right? Right. They noticed that and may have taken, if not umbrage, they certainly took notice of it. Yes. And, and it, rang, it rang of inauthenticity for them. But. The kids 
at the university laughed and applauded. Yes. And that's frightening. That is a sign. I think it's a manifestation of what you are saying. And it shows how perhaps unconsciously deep that change has cut. And we're getting a good look at it in this election, I believe. So we can't count on it any longer. What was it? Liberty? Liberty University? That was Liberty University. Okay, so and, and you know, University. Glenn always talks about they're probably the last truly constitute. You know, they they teach the Constitution there. Well, they're right, falling apart right. now too. Well, you, I just think you, you've got. I think what you and I are talking about, or what you most astutely raised, Susan, is that now you've got students at sort of last last stand. You who <laughs> go in and and don't notice or are greatly amused by Donald Trump's... Look, I'm not using this word, but I know that people over 50, who we talked about earlier, who were there at Liberty, they would call it almost blasphemy. They would at least call it a shocking ignorance of Scripture for someone who was making the claims of faithfulness and the pedigree of faithfulness that Donald Trump was at that particular place there to make. But the kids found it amusing, and then what do they do? They, they applaud, the event's over, they get up, they put their earbuds back in and hit their cell phone, and their triple X-rated gangster rap comes back on yeah. in their ears. Frightening, they, isn't they it? don't even know it. Jay? Look, all is not lost, but I mean... No, 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 know, no. We, we have a long road ahead. It's worth mentioning once in a while ahead. that we've got a job ahead of us. Yes, we do. We have to keep getting out the message that we need a constitutional conservative that will give this country back to the people. Well, it's a it's a nice contrast. And Susan, thank you so much for the call. It's great to hear from you again after all this time. Call back soon. Let me say in closing that we uh, have quite a contrast, a useful contrast offered by Barack Obama, who, while he was seeking the presidency for the first time, made the first of many references to the Constitution in general and the Bill of Rights in particular as uh, a burden, as as something aggravating, as an irritant, as something bad. And uh, his most infamous quote on this is about the Bill of Rights, which he says is a bill of negative rights. I call it, he said, the Bill of Negative Rights because it tells the government what the government can't do for people. And of course, those of us with a any fling of knowledge of our Constitution knows that that is a contemptuous way to characterize that. It's not a bill of negative rights. Uh, and he's playing on the spirit of this uh, and perverting the spirit of this to try and make his perverse point. And that is... It is it is the purpose of the Bill of Rights to tell government what it can't do to us, 
not in Obama's words, what it can't do for us. Now, that's how a community organizer thinks. An American, a patriot, thinks the Bill of Rights is a document limiting what government can do to us, what it can force us to do. Mike from Iowa, let's get started. We'll need more time on the other side if you wish, but welcome. Hi, Dave. Hey, Mike. Um, I got a quick comment that I had read. I don't know if this, how true this is, but since 1792, number that's come in lower than third in Iowa has gotten the nomination. I can't swear that we that in 1792 that the cockeye were an ongoing concern. No, I don't think we were a state until mid 1800s. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, I think that would be a little a little off. But yeah, I don't know but, when uh, you guys became a state, but I think it's I think it's 18 I think it's mid 1800s, early to mid 18 you know 1836 or. 1824, yeah. I'd have to look it up. But, I think it's um, 46. But well, I, guess I wanted to ask you, is, is it lonely there today? Is there a sense of, like, tumbleweed going through town and a howling wind and a sudden sense of abandonment? Or are you happy that you, you could finally, like, find a parking place or get a cup of coffee? It's like the best day ever. I'm sorry? It's like the best day ever. Everybody's gone. <laughs> I, I, I don't know, but I guess that's spoken like a true Iowan. Uh, I can only imagine what it's like to have the, you know, the locusts of the media uh, all of a sudden descend on the town and be rude, push people around and, uh, and hog up everything, I guess pun intended, for, you know, four weeks, three weeks, and then all of a sudden the next day, uh, they're they're gone if the flight schedule permits it. Mike, thank you for the call. We are on to the new world and what that means. New Hampshire. Jay Severin. Excelsior. The Blaze Radio Network. Jay Severin Show on the Blaze Radio Network. 1-888-900-3393. Frank from the Keystone State. Welcome back. Thanks, Jay. Veritas. Hey, Veritas. Uh, you, in- you inspired me to make a, a meme uh, when you were talking about Toto pulling back the curtain to reveal the, the, the <laughs> Trump of Oz. Uh, I actually, I sent it to you. It's, it's under, uh, the Donald of Oz. Uh, all right. I'll have a look. I've been, I've been having uh, some email problems. Uh, I'm sorry. When, Twitter problems this afternoon. I, so I'm one, not as I attached, current. I attached one of Hillary as the witch, of course, but, um, <laughs> typecasting, I, typecasting. I have a, I have a question about this. Uh, the ground game was the, was the big player in Iowa. Well, that's is a it, question. There, is it? Well, that was that's what everybody, including you, at some point has said that it's very important. Is that well, going to yeah, be different in New Hampshire? And is that yes. why some people are just bailing? 
and not – I mean, it, it sounded like some people aren't even going to try in New Hampshire. Well, I'm not sure what, I, what you mean by that, so let's work toward it. Let me answer the first element of that. The ground game is always important, but in some places it's absolutely crucial, and in other places it's merely necessary, Okay. Uh, it's like the difference between, in some states, it's like taking one baby aspirin a day for your heart. And the other one, it's like getting the paddles in the emergency room, okay? In Iowa, a ground game is like getting the paddles in the emergency room to restart your heart. That's how important the ground game is. If you don't have a get-out-the-vote operation, you cannot win in Iowa. At least not, not historically, not since there have been... Iowa primaries or caucuses. And that difference from New Hampshire that, that is owing That's owing largely to the character of the voters, but also to simple geography. Uh, now, in New Hampshire, as I mentioned earlier, in New Hampshire, which is all that matters in the universe right now, uh, what you've got is a state with one-third the size, one-third the acreage of Iowa, which automatically means there are fewer precincts, fewer miles, fewer problems, less of a challenge to get people to the polls, yada, yada, yada. So one-third the acreage and three times the vote. So you've got a concentrated vote in a relatively small state. Surely the candidates still must identify, get their uh, uh, guys to the polls. And and look, maybe in a state where it's thought less important, the winner will be the guy who thinks it's more important. And and he'll turn, you know, he'll turn a necessity into a blessing. And he'll do twice as much as you really need to do in New Hampshire in order to get your people to the the, uh, polls. But yeah, it's it's different, and those are the fundamental reasons why. And what okay. did you mean by your second point? Well, it sounded like a lot of people weren't bothering to campaign very strongly in New Hampshire. Well, and they were moving on to let different me play areas. Devil's, uh, let me play devil's advocate. If I were being paid to advocate for uh, for Senator Cruz, I would tell him that tomorrow is his last day in New Hampshire. Because he I can would, get more out of South Carolina. Bingo. Or is it North, North Carolina? Okay. South Carolina. And I would say to the, the senator, we want your butt on a plane tonight. You can go, you can go through, uh, you know, you could do your evening events, but you're on a charter then, flight tonight to South Carolina. Because, look, nobody can, as, as some people are about to learn with the Super Tuesday and the SEC, so-called SEC primaries, that are happening right. within like a month, you cannot be in one place. You cannot long. campaign with your all in all states. You'll die. You can't do it. Okay. Even if you have the money, you just the greatest asset of any campaign is the candidate, and you 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 cannot kill your candidate by trying to make them pull a series See, of forty-five twenty-hour days. And so, so you need a whole bunch of really to... good surrogates in those other states, and and basically, yes, exactly, okay. exactly. So if I okay. if I were so if I if I were advising Senator Cruz, I'd say campaign the living heck 
out of New Hampshire today and tomorrow. Maybe, maybe one more day, but I really wouldn't wait the extra day. I'd get to South Carolina. If it were really up to me, I would have had Ted Cruz in in, uh, New Hampshire today only. He would arrive triumphant. At the airport, make sure there's at the at the airport. Make sure there's a lot of a press, a lot of good media, so that uh, all the media markets in New Hampshire, which means getting Boston and uh, some of the northern small markets, get all your media. Get them at the airport. A few events, the biggest you can possibly put together. No small events, no diners, no nothing. Only big colleges, high schools. You know, stadia, some the biggest things you could put together, do two or three of them, get as much media at them as possible, and then quietly as possible, get on a charter flight and get the hell out of Dodge and and, one, and one, go to South Carolina. Start working one more, because he can win question. South Carolina. He can't win New Hampshire, I don't think. Okay, I have one more question. What happens to the delegates that were already uh awarded in Iowa if one of those candidates drops out? The state determines where they go. I don't know by what rules. Uh, and the reason the state thing is so important, I'm sorry, no, I'm, I'm sorry, I just made a mistake. The party decides where they go. And the reason okay. that's so important is that if Hillary might have cheated in claiming victory last night or engineering victory in that, you know, by a hair victory in in, in Iowa. Or if if you wanted, if you were Sanders guys and you said coin flip, no way, we're suing. You know, you're not you're not going to decide. I understand it was as many as six precincts that were decided by a flip of the coin. Well, there's a whole bunch that are missing right now. Right. A whole bunch so I understand. Of, it was on. I think Breitbart had it. It was on a whole bunch that are missing. They don't have the counts for them now. It's suddenly, mysteriously gone. Well, that's hard right. to investigate. My, my, something my point is, my point is. So what? If it were being run by the state, then there are all kinds of options for like getting a temporary restraining order in a court to find those to you know to 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 halt to get an injunction to halt. Uh, the finding of fact that there that there's a winner in the primary in the caucus, but it's not being run by the state. It's a private organization, the Republican the, Party of the of the state of, of the Iowa, and that state that state chairman makes all the rules capriciously, suddenly as he or she may wish, and if you're in the pocket of either candidate. Uh, I'm sorry, did I say Republican? Obviously, in this case, the Democrat Party of the state of Iowa. And if you're in the bag for the Clintons, then right. there's no way that she loses a close race like this because you know there is no possibility of legal interfere of judicial interference. So but what about the Republican candidate? You, had, uh, you said Cruz and Donald had virtually the same number of, Delegates and Rubio maybe one less. Is yes. it the same then? If it was the Republican side of that, if if one of yes. those candidates drops out, they decide yes. how to how to apply the other votes. I believe that's true. I believe it is a a part is strictly a party matter, and therefore the party makes and applies the rules 
with regard to its own organization, selection organization, application assignment of delegates. Okay. And now I have to... There was one change this year, since you're smart enough to care about details. There was a big change this year, and that was in the delegates. Up until this, up until last night, Frank, the caucus votes were non-binding, which huh. which gave the state chairman even more monstrous power, which meant you could go to the convention, and no matter who you went there, on whose behalf you were at the convention, like 45 delegates, you know, for Cruz, you could turn around and give them all to somebody else. And in fact, Iowa did that. They took their uh, delegates for, I forget from whom they took them, and they gave them to um, Ron Paul. Wow. I and was, so they since passed a law that, or, or, or changed their internal regulations such that it is now a binding caucus, and you are bound, I, I think it may be only for the first ballot. I'm not sure. I'm not sure about do, that. But you are bound at del- least for the do first the ballot. Do the superdelegates come into play at or or not or is that not a they certainly come into a, play but not under this rule superdelegates are every, chosen by is, the national is, party is that in every state yes but it's okay. not state run that isn't that superdelegates are an enterprise wholly owned and operated by the democrat national committee and the republican national committee and what those are are very little known a very astute question from you because if people knew more about this they would be pissed off Super delegates are unelected delegates that they're like a grand jury. They're chosen in secret by party bosses and put in the vest pocket of the party bosses so that no matter how the people vote and elect delegates, once you get to the convention, the state party chairman can turn around and influence and maybe utterly change, swing the entire election. Uh, or nominating process based on these this grand jury he has in his pocket, these super delegates who are chosen in uh, secret by the state party to use like chips in a casino at a moment geez. of their choosing. Frank, got a jet call again. Thank you. Jay Severin on the Blaze Radio Network. On the Blaze Radio Network. one 3393 If you recall, remember, or ponder, nothing else from today's show, remember that Iowa is gone. Gone. Gone, baby. Gone! And we're on to New Hampshire, and it couldn't be more different if it were another planet. And we're just six days away from doing this entire thing all over again. And everything about it is different. Everything about it is different. Everyone about it is different. Donald Trump is now the front runner again. Forget what happened with Ted Cruz last night. He's going to get a bounce out of uh, Iowa. Do you think he's going to get a 28-point bounce? I'd love to see it, but I'd, 
Love to see it. Mark from Ohio, welcome. Jay, how are you, my good man? Well, thank you, sir. Fantastic. Listen, um, I, I know you got a national audience, but people got to realize what's up with New Hampshire. The population base in New Hampshire is centered around five uh, cities in southern New Hampshire, and they are all wholly owned subsidiaries of Massachusetts. It's Massachusetts. Mark, just out of curiosity, do yes. you know if I stepped out right now into my backyard and hit a pretty good five iron, you know where that ball would land? I would guess in 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 uh, some some harbor, the one harbor of of New Hampshire. It would land in Manchester, New Hampshire. Yeah, what believe really me. Nice. I yeah. know whereof you. I know whereof you speak. No, I'm exactly. half an hour from the from the New Hampshire border. Well, well, there you go. I mean, skip New Hampshire. It's Matt, the five population bases. You know what I'm talking about. The five population bases in New Hampshire are northern Massachusetts. No, no, don't tell us. We don't need, no, no, we, time is too precious. This is not a geography quiz. We don't need to know. But your point is well taken. And the general point is you just don't squander. You, you, he can, how important is South Carolina? Well, here's how important it is, Mark. Oh, yeah. If Ted Cruz loses New Hampshire, and I think it's a pretty good bet he's going to, if, if he doesn't win in New Hampshire, then how important does South Carolina become? Don't come to that recognition. If you're the Cruz campaign, I'm begging you. Don't, don't do that calculus on Sunday night. You know, you, you probably cannot win in New Hampshire. Campaign the living snot out of it for a day and then get thee to, New ha- to uh, South Carolina and, and ply thy advantages there. Agreed, sir. I got one one last point about New Hampshire. Yeah, they've yeah. had the last three out of four governors of New Hampshire have been Democrats. The last I know they've been uh, they've been ma- Massachusettsated. I know exactly. all, yep. for the last forty years, Northern Massachusetts is moving into is is occupying Southern New Hampshire like a like a disease. It's it, it's. Absolutely, and the last Republican governor, uh, the, the the fourth out of the three of the four, was the only one-term uh, governor in New Hampshire for about the last hundred years. Well, what does it tell you that Scott Brown, who's a personal friend of mine, by the way, I just figure out how to say that, Scott Brown be- won a U.S. Senate seat in Massachusetts as a Republican, then he ran in New Hampshire and lost. I'm telling you, New Hampshire has been Massachusettsated. I'm on the job, folks. Tomorrow? Jay Severin on the Blaze Radio Network.